take chances. Be fearless and take chances. Hey, this is Mike Ambassador and I'd like to welcome you to No More Reasonable Doubt, a show focused on empowering young professionals of color to remove doubt, gain confidence, and have more impact at work as they're starting their career. One important piece to making all this happen is getting exposure to different people and career paths. Today, our special guest is Mecca Brown, a breakthrough life and career coach. Mecca infuses women with energy, bravery, laughter, and courage, key ingredients necessary for creating a powerful and meaningful life. Welcome, Mecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so glad to have you here today. Now, word on the street is that you do a Music Monday on Facebook where you share lyrics. So I was curious if you would be so kind to share a couple of lyrics with with our audience uh, and maybe tell us why you think these lyrics are so powerful for the people. Awesome. I'd be happy to do that. So um, I'm a lover of all music, um, whether it is anything from rap to country to R&B to uh, jazz to classical. So if it it moves me, if it uh, touches my heart, then I definitely uh, am a fan of of that song or that artist. Um, The first song that I thought of for this special group, this this wonderful group of, of people, of individuals that we're reaching out to, is a song by Fort Minor, and it's called Remember My Name. And uh, what attracted me to the song is when I heard the, um, the chorus to it, which is, this is 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power of will, 5% pleasure, 50% pain, and 100% reason to remember the name. And I love that because that, that is the real work. Everyone thinks that there's a success story. You ha- come up with an idea. You know, you float it to the right people. All of this um, all of this venture capital floods your way, and next thing you know, you're a millionaire and you're living the high life on a yacht, and that's just not the way it works. There is grit. There is pain. There is frustration. There is sheer willpower uh, to get to where you want to be in life, whether it's to get that next job, to get that next internship, to uh, get that next position um, as a solo or entrepreneur, and it's really important that people um, live by those percentages and understand those percentages as they seek out their dreams. Excellent. And then if I could throw one more question in, sometimes we hit uh, rock bottom. Sometimes we run into circumstances or situations where we're just really frustrated and we're not where we need to be. And we get really frustrated um, with uh, things that are happening, whether they are a result of our choices or circumstances happening around us. And we feel like giving up. And any time I ever feel that way, I always reference back to Eminem's song, Lose Yourself. And my lyric that I always, um, always refer back to, um, and it has profanity, so I won't read uh, that piece, but it really talks about how um, success is his only option, failure is not. You know, you have to keep moving. You cannot fail. You have to find that next ladder, that next step to move yourself forward. And so um, those are the two... Uh, immediate songs that I think of when it comes to um, pushing yourself forward, reaching your goals, and, you know, how to motivate yourself when you're not where you want to be. Excellent. And, no, you could share the profanity because I have been dying. <laughs> I have been dying to, you know, I use Lipson to, to set up the show. I've been dying to hit the little E, explicit. <laughs> I've been dying to hit that button. I'm like, oh, clean, rated G. <laughs> You know. <laughs> I don't want to be the first person to use the profanity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bait someone into this. Come on, I need to change that to explicit. I want the little e on my podcast. No, thank you I so much for those. I can see my mother somewhere cringing. Did you say that on recording? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Well, the first question I want to ask you is, where are you originally from? What an interesting question. So uh, it's interesting because um, technically I'm a Guamanian. My parents were, both my mother and father were in the military. As a matter of fact, my mother's in the history book. She's the first African-American sent to a school for electronics. It was the first time they allowed women to venture into um, the electronic area. Prior to that, they could be corpsmen or nurses and 
things of that nature, more service positions, but they couldn't venture into technology, weaponry, et cetera. So um, as a part of her being the first group, they sent the five women to Guam, and she was already married to my father, and I lived there for the first three years of my life. So I was born, and the first three years of my life were in Guam. And then I moved, we moved to San Diego as a family where she continued her, um, you know, her career path with the military. And we fortunately got to stay in San Diego for the remainder of our 17 years that she did um, with the Navy. So I consider myself a Southern California girl from San Diego or Diego, as we call it, uh, on the streets. But, um, but originally, I would say that I'm from Guam. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Now, tell us, tell us a little bit more about your work. Tell us about that. What do you do for work? What's the day-to-day like for you? Gotcha. Um, and you want to know from my coaching perspective, correct, or are you looking for both perspectives? You can give us both because I think it's important for, for the people to know, um, you know, sometimes you're doing more than one thing. <laughs> Uh, I do a lot of things. So uh, let, let's see if, how brief I can keep this. So um, tech, my, my business of trade is uh, claim operations or healthcare administration and operations. I have worked for three Fortune 50 healthcare companies, um, Aetna U.S. Healthcare, HCA Incorporated, and I'm currently with United Health Group working under the um, company Optum. And I am a senior claim operations manager. I uh, am responsible for all aspects of claims from uh, the claim coming through the door, getting pre- uh, prepped, processed. I manage a team of about 50 people, including my offshore and onshore folks. Um, I partner with other departments and oftentimes with senior or executive leadership to address issues in the market. So my, my goal is to uh, make sure that claims run smoothly, our providers are happy, our members are happy, and that we're providing good service in the market. Um, I come home and I am two things. I am a single parent mother of two wonderful boys. I have a 20-year-old son and a 13-year-old son who, whom I adore, both of them. Um, I am also a life coach, so I spend time working with clients um, to help them really just change their lives. And I focus on women, but I am open to both male and, and, and female um, clients, but the work I do there is really about getting them to see um, other options on the table. A lot of times people, you know, come out of school, whether it's high school or college, depending on what their circumstances are, and they don't really know what the next step is. They know they need to move forward, they need to advance, they need to, you know, they have dreams that they want to achieve, but they don't know how to get there. And there isn't a book for, um, you know, people who, you know, for people of color always or people who come from the wrong side of the tracks that tell them how to uh, advance and achieve their dreams. A lot of times these, these you know, these books that are empowering and, and, and uh, self-help are, are geared or targeted towards um, people who are just a little, or who are in a little bit better uh, situation. And so what I do is I, you know, get with them and help them to find solutions, help them to find resources. I don't do the work for them, but I point them in the right direction so that they feel empowered to make those positive choices, whether it's continuing education or, you know, what options that they need to do to advance their career um, or, you know, simple things as, as far as, you know, they're having, you know, challenges, financial challenges at home and they don't know how to uh, resolve those financial, you know, challenges, you know, issues with taxes, things like that. So, um, you know, I I really stand there as a muse, as a coach, um, sometimes as Google itself, uh, (laughs) to just really, you know, point people in the right direction. So I wear many hats, but if you think about everything I said, they're all interconnected from the perspective of being service being um, about educating and empowering those I serve, um, and then sitting back and just watching, you know, watching people, watching, you know, customers or those who I serve grow and benefit from the work that we've partnered and done together. Thanks for that. Now, where did you go to school, Mecca? Great question. So, uh, there's a story. With me, I'm a storyteller, um, and so there's always a story behind um, um, a lot of the things that happened in my life, but uh, I saw when I was maybe 
10, 15, maybe I think I was 12 years old, I saw a great movie called Class Action with Gene Hackman and, you know, it was about, you know, class action lawsuits and, you know, litigation and I fell in love with becoming a corporate attorney. I actually wanted to become an overseas corporate attorney. So I, um, I applied to UCSD and I got accepted. I got scholarships and grants to cover my full tuition books and, and um, part of my living expenses. And um, I actually enrolled in their management science program, which is um, with their pre-law, it's to um, you pick a, a specific field where you want to focus. So I picked management science, which is a double major, it's business and economics, so that when I went for my grad school work to get my JD, I would be knowledgeable in all things corporate and business related. So I should be a lawyer, Mike. I have many friends who uh, still say, when are you going to get your law degree? Because I need you to represent me in this case because I know, you know, we win. And uh, so it's always fun. And I love lawyers. I love all of the lawyers that I, I've met through um, my circles in life. Um, but along that way, I started a family, started it young um, with someone, uh, with my dear friend who I had known since the sixth grade. Uh, and so we started, you know, we, got, we started a family, and after a while, as many people know, with your, that first child, um, it's expensive, especially in Southern California, to live uh, in the 90s. And so um, I actually dropped out of college to support my, or help support my family full time. Um, and so I didn't finish college. Um, I lost my, my scholarships and my grants. I only did about, um, I, I'm technically a sophomore at UCSD right now. And uh, I took a different path. So I've always continued my education, so I'm always constantly learning and finding resources online. And before there were online resources, I was always the person going into the library to learn more. I was always the person volunteering um, at work to learn how to take something, break something down and put it back together so that I constantly strengthened my skills and abilities. And that's something that I share with my clients um, so that they know that there's always ways to get, gain education or gain knowledge even if you are not going to a four-year institution. Um, but to answer your question, um, I went to UCSD. I did not graduate. And I love the story for a number of reasons. And I think it's going to be very valuable to our audience because uh, one is the is the um, not a traditional path, a quote right. unquote, right? I feel like I have to put that in quotes because traditional, right. you know, whatever that means. And then also the keep learning, you know, and taking oh. charge of your own learning and not understanding the folks that we're focused on are either just getting out of college or just getting out of, uh, you know, grad school, what have you. And there may be a sense of, great, no more learning, you know. Oh, but, no. No, no, no. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't quite work that right. way. So, so thank you for, uh, for pointing that out. Now, take us through your career path. Um, take us through your career path. So you, you, you know, you decided to leave school. Take us through mm -hmm. from, from, from uh, the different career paths. How did you get where you are now? Awesome. So there's a story. No, <laughs> I think that's going to be And at some point I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky, what right. do you mean this is? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Um, but I think it just really drives home, um, you know, the heart of who I am and, and how I, you know, where, how I achieved what I achieved. Um, but while I was at UCSD, I worked at the Career Services Center. That was, um, I had a work-study program. So, um, and I, the work-study program I had was not a part of my financial aid. I took that because I was obviously supporting my child. Um, and so I wanted the extra the extra money to pay for daycare and things like that. And while I was there, um, I, and I should send you this clipping, Mike, it's hysterical. I still have the newspaper clipping, but I used to help the graduating, um, the graduates uh, build their resumes. And we pulled out, you know, what color is your parachute 1994 and 1995? <laughs> 
<laughs> we wrote resumes, you know, on using WordPerfect 3.1. God, I sound old. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, I, so I, I had to learn how to, um, I had to learn how to not only help them write their resumes, but teach them so that I wasn't writing the resume they were. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that. I had always been in positions, you know, through um, grammar school where I had the opportunity to partner and teach and lead people. And so I knew that I, I had that as a natural skill set. But it's different when you're talking to people who are at a higher graduate level than you um, and are, you know, are about to start their next phase of their life and you're at the beginning of yours. And so um, I started off career services um, learning how not only to write resumes, but also, you know, the, the rules that apply to building resumes. Um, when it, I left school, I lost my work study. And so I found um, close to school a, a vision therapist who just needed somebody to help with front office work and billing. And so his, you know, they kind of taught me how to do the billing the medical billing to insurance companies and things like that. So that was my first dipping my toe in the water of healthcare. And at this point, I still wanted to, you know, be a lawyer. I was trying to figure out how I was going to get back to school, but it sounded like healthcare was going to pay the bills for a little while longer, you know, longer. So um, I worked as that vision therapist for a few months, and then we parted ways. Um, and I began working at a temp agency because I needed more hours and I needed higher pay. And my goal was, and the reason why I was so successful when I worked at Apple One, was I was the type of person where they knew they could send me and they could call me saying, hey, someone called out or someone quit. This company that you've never worked for needs somebody to come in, learn something quick, and get it done with high accuracy, high quality. And they would send me. But I used that as my opportunity to strengthen my skills. I didn't know Peachtree. I learned Peachtree at a temp job. I didn't know Excel. I learned Excel. I didn't know you know, you know, Word and, you know, um, uh, Microsoft Access and all of these other applications. I didn't take a class for those, but I utilized my um, temp agency positions to really strengthen my skills. And so it was, a, it was a double win for me, but it was a win for the agency. They knew that they had someone who was dependable, ironclad, that they could send out the door. But I not only got paid for the work which I needed to pay my bills, but I also gained skills that I knew I was going to do I was going to need later. And I knew to, to think from that perspective because I had worked at the Career Services Center. And what I saw graduates struggling with is not having enough uh, disciplinary breath on their resume. You know, they had two internships. They had, you know, one internship and then they worked at McDonald's or things like that. And so it was difficult for them to get that next job because they didn't have enough, um, enough meat on that resume. So I knew if I was, you know, going to graduate and and uh, at that time, I was still working towards becoming a lawyer. But I knew I had to have more skills and experience and technical, um, technical skills if I was going to be um, a person who was in demand. And I also recognized as long as I was out of school, I was in less demand because I didn't have the degree. So I felt like I had to work twice as hard to be just as good um, because I didn't have that important piece of paper um, by my side. So I worked um, for Apple One for quite a few months, and they sent me on this assignment at Aetna. At the time, it was Aetna U.S. Healthcare, now it's Aetna Inc., and they were closing the San Diego office, and when they announced that office was closing, everybody quit. <laughs> so they said, oh, you know, we still need people for 18 months, and I thought, great, this will be an 18-month gig, um, so I'll definitely take it as a temp and learn as much as I can. It's in healthcare. Healthcare's not going away. Um, so when I got there, we got no training whatsoever. It was like two weeks. It was horrible. Uh, there are that profanity button you want to hit. There's lots of words I could use to describe my first few weeks there. It was terrible. But um, I was the type of person who said, I am going to make the best of this while I'm here for as long as I can. And so um, I overheard one of, uh, a couple of the supervisors talking about um, this issue that they were having, um, and they had to do this this audit on this member's account. And I said, well, if I could just look at the claims, I could just put it in an Excel spreadsheet and I could do the audit. And they were like, yeah, but it's going to take forever, and, you know, we're hearing that, you know, we have to have this turned around in, you know, five days. And I said, you know what, I got this. I can have this done in two days. Let me see it. If you don't like it, you still have the other three days to wait for the other people. So she said, yeah, let me see what you can do, but we can't pay you 
um, over time. I know, cringe, right? You know, by law they should be paying you, but <laughs> I was interested in the opportunity, mm-hmm. so I took the no pay for the opportunity um, in this particular situation, and it paid off big time because not only did I deliver faster, but I was more accurate than the people who delivered five day, in the five-day window. Um, and so they said, oh, okay, well, let's put her on the books for that and let's have her do all of these because there's a backlog of these, you know, these issues. And so, you know, I wound up helping that department. Take that story and multiply it by dental consultants and medical reviews and working with the nurses and the medical directors and processing claims. And within two years, I was, I had gone from a temporary employee to a full-time employee. They kept the office open. They decided not to close San Diego. And I got... Uh, advanced to a regional trainer. So now I'm responsible for the six state, the six West Coast states, and I'm 19 years old. No, I was 20. I was 20 at the time. 20 years old. And I'm responsible for the far west six states for Aetna, and I've got an American Express corporate card, and I'm flying up and down the West Coast, training people on the various um, tasks tied to healthcare administration. Um, so I did that for... Uh, a few more years and I took on different roles uh, during that six-year period um, in the training um, world but again my philosophy of learn something new every day learn as much as you can and keep track of what you learned was critical was crucial during that time so um, when 2003 rolled around and um, my family had previously, my mother and father who had retired from the military had moved to Vegas and I got sick and tired of the San Diego to Vegas commute um, multiple times a year. I said, you know what, I'm just gonna move to Vegas. So um, when I moved to Vegas, I applied for all of these different jobs and I went on lots of interviews. Um, so I got lots of interviews because my resume was strong. Um, it had meat. I got mm-hmm. lots of offers uh, without the degree still a single parent mom, still a young single parent mom. I got lots of offers and so I had the opportunity to um, pick and choose positions that were going to pay me what I, you know, what I felt was reasonable and what the market would, was there. That was the last time I had to apply, officially apply for a position. Um, after that, um, I built my reputation in the community so that when um, Health Plan in Nevada had an opening two years later, they called me at my job at HCA and said, we have a position for you, we're interested and we'd like to interview you. And I went and I interviewed and um, I was hired on the spot. Um, and it was an increase in pay and increase in responsibility um, for a different company. Um, and I held that position um, for four years, five years, I gotta count, four and a half years. <laughs> Um, I should go look at my LinkedIn because it has my right date. But <laughs> I held that position until um, one of the uh, associate vice presidents, or I think she's associate director under the new United rules, but um, one of the associate directors said, um, there's this new product coming online. It's driving me crazy. Um, I need somebody to get in, figure it out, dissect it, and fix it for me. Would you please uh, interview or please apply for this position? So she came to me with the job. I applied our interview instead of talking about my kids, which I found hilarious because I was prepared. <laughs> um, but my work history, my work ethic, and the meat, the what I have done, had already given me the position. Um, so I, I was given, you know, I was granted that position. That was a two pay grade jump. That was a two. Um, that was an increase in. Um, title as well, if you think of it from a corporate perspective. And I was the project manager for that project for 18 months. When that project, or not 18 months, I'm sorry, for 12 months, once that project was over, technically they no longer needed a project manager. That new um, product that came online and the, the leadership team associated with that said, can you come over and be our claim operations manager because we need somebody to, um, to really just step in and um, help us you know, step in and, um, and, and continue to build upon what you created or what you started as a project manager. So I realize that was a long story, but understand that a teenage single parent black mother from San Diego 
who didn't grow up poor, but was sure poor once she, you know, moved out and, <laughs> and had a kid and was living on her own, was able to accomplish so much and really um, significantly uh, imp- improve my social and economic status um, year after year after year by really just working hard and uh, applying the basic rules that I learned way back, you know, uh, my first year in the college, which is, you know, find the meat you know, and make sure that you keep track of everything that you do and make sure that you really build a, a, a compelling story. Make sure that you constantly tell that story so that people come and find you. You don't have to go hunt for it. They come looking for you because they know, they've heard the story and they know that, that you are the type of person they want for this type of job. So it's really about putting yourself out there. So. Good. I have a couple of questions that come up. Um, you know, based on the story. One is you mentioned keeping track of what you learn, and then you also said yep. keeping track of what you do. Um, yep. And I think you could, well, I'm going to ask why, right? Anyway, I was going to say you kind of explain it, but say why. And then I'm curious yep. where and how you keep track of all these things. So the corporate America is the devil, and they teach you to love spreadsheets and graphs and charts. (laughs) So I'm one of those horrible people who thinks everything should be an Excel spreadsheet. Don't shoot me, Mike. Um, (laughs) I know there's clever things. I mean, I have Evernote now. We all use OneNote. There's all these wonderful tools, you know, and I do use some of the other tools. But sometimes when I have to start something from scratch, I really go back to the basics. I have an Excel spreadsheet. I have a Word document, and I just build. I keep track in there. I never, I always keep track of every resume that I create. So I have this horrible folder that, no, I will not show you because if you see that, those first two or three resumes that were great back in 1993 and 1994 that I look at now and cringe, like, what was I thinking? Um, but <laughs> I keep track of every resume and I look at what, you know, what was my story, what is my story now, and how can I... Um, how can I improve that story? How can I, you know, make that story better um, or more compelling so that um, people are interested? Because keep in mind that resume is to get you to that interview. Um, so that's why I feel like you have to do it because in order to advance yourself, no matter what it is, whether you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur, whether you are looking for co- corporate jobs and and STEM and creative arts, you know, and nonprofit, it really doesn't matter where, what your field you're interested in, everybody wants to know the story. And if you don't have enough plots and twists and details in that story, then it's not compelling and they're not going to want to, or they may not want to um, continue the interview process. So um, I learned that, like I said, early on. And then keeping track of it, I just have an Excel spreadsheet. So when uh, a boss said, you rock, I wrote, you know, I put it in my Excel spreadsheet. Now I just text it in my phone and I have a horrible list of, you know, things that are te- that I text message to um, Evernote because you have a text to Evernote feature. Um, but I text it there and it's all saved on one Evernote page just so that I constantly have, you know, those types of things. The stuff that they ask in an interview, sometimes they say, give me an example of a time where you felt, felt challenged. And we all go, uh, when we get stuck on that question. Or tell me about a time that you didn't meet your, your, um, your goal or the expectation. What happened? What did you learn from it? And how did you turn it around? Those questions are designed to see how you think. But we don't remember those epic stories if we don't have them written down. So when I have a bad day or something bad happens, but I think, oh, this would have been a great story if you know, they had asked me that for you know, this particular question, I also send those you know, to my um, text to Evernote um, so that you keep track of not only you know, the, the, the plots of your story that you put on your resume, but the plots that you tell when you're, you're in an interview as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes plenty of sense, and I think it's um, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think it's brilliant because when you think about the, those questions, those behavioral questions, behavioral right. interview questions, tell me about a time when, and then you're trying to you're trying to think back. It would be good to have a place where you have kind of uh, segmented good, bad, and ugly, yeah. and been able to kind of just go through some of them so you have some stories fresh in your mind 
um, yep. as needed. So I know that's going to be really helpful to the people. Uh, and yep. just a note, uh, I guess it's not really a question, but one, the other thing that I noticed in your story is there's something around taking on things that others have trouble with. Yeah. You know, you're willing to figure it out. Right. Um, put put the time in there to to figure it out and 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 get it done. So, I think that's pretty pretty yeah, powerful. That. <laughs> that's, that's the story from my father's side of the family. But take it apart, put it back together. If you can take it apart, put it back together, and it works, then you understand it. Mm. You truly understand the issue, not you have a, um, you know, overall understanding of the issue, but you truly understand the, you know whatever it is that you're tasked with working with, if you truly can take it apart and put it back together, figuratively or physically, you know. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who, who is just starting out in their career and maybe they aspire to do some of the, some of the things that you, you've done? Hmm, great question. I would say take chances be fearless and take chances. Um, I was a rebel growing up. I have some terrible, Lord, if you talk to my mother, she would tell you some terrible stories. <laughs> um, but I always took chances when I was, um, when I was younger and sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. And when they didn't, yes, I would feel, um, frustrated or upset or, you know, never so much a failure, but like I didn't meet either the expectation I set for myself or the expectation that was set from somebody else. But six months later, who cares? And that's the piece that I, I feel like young, when I was young I, or younger, um, I didn't quite understand. I felt like a failure on my part meant a failure for the rest of my life. And it sounds silly when you say it out loud, but if you think about the times where you really beat yourself up when you're by yourself over an issue that you failed and you really get to the heart of the matter, you know, that whole Brene Brown daring greatly and dealing with shame, you know, part of where, part of what we, we sometimes experience is, you know, this is going to haunt me forever. This failure, this mishap, this mistake is going to haunt me forever. Um, and the simple fact is that's just not the case. Um, especially with people of color, you know, we, we have so much on our shoulders. You have to be a certain way, act a certain way, achieve a certain, you know, nuclear family, the house, the, the dog, the 2.5 kids, the marriage, the perfect, you know, Cadillac car. We have to uh, achieve all of these things. And if we make any type of mistakes that delays that, um, that dream or that goal, then we feel like we failed. And I, I wish somebody had really um, explained to me or helped me to understand sooner that six months later, you know, every mistake you've made won't, you know, short of it being, you know, illegal, won't matter. It, it just won't because you will have moved on to so many bigger and better things. And if you've taken that mistake and capitalized on it, then, you know, it was worth the, the, the momentary fall in order to, um, to experience the great gain in, in knowledge or expertise or um, notoriety that you, you got from turning that issue around. So, you know, we all hear the don't sweat the small stuff and all of those things. And they sound like cliches and they don't mean anything, but if you can really uh, look beyond the cliche and really take it to heart, I think you'll move faster because you won't be afraid. You know, fear and complacency are you know, the enemy of, of success. Be fearless. Don't be complacent. Keep pushing. Push when you want to give up. Is there any unspoken wisdom you've discovered in your career field? Stuff that no one could have really told you. It's almost, it's almost as if time is, is the teacher. Hmm, that's a good question. I would say time has taught me to trust myself. Sometimes um, when you are surrounded by incredibly intelligent people um, and incredibly, or people with a lot of experience, um, they tend to believe that they know what's best for you. 
they tend to make recommendations about how you achieve your goals, what your goals should be, when those goals should be um, achieved, and their wisdom may ring true for them and may be truthful for them, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's your truth. And um, I have learned just over time the truth of that. Um, there have been too many uh, situations where, you know, I set a goal for myself and then um, I, I changed my goal because of feedback other people said. And then when I eventually reached my goal, I realized that I stuck to the original plan, I would have reached it faster. I would have achieved it faster had I just, um, just you know, let go of that fear and just, you know, chased my dream. Um, J-Lo, um, who we all know, singer, actress, dancer, etc., um, one of the things that she said is she used to tell herself that, you know, she couldn't eat. She would deny herself food until she got an interview. So she would, or not interview, an um, audition. So she would work her butt off to make sure that she'd get to eat. You know, when she was struggling, when she was first starting out in the business, if we all have that drive within us, that same tenacity, when you think of people like Beyonce who, you know, in some of her documentaries, the stat, her, her team joke around about, you know, she won't let us take a bathroom break for 15 hours, you know? <laughs> Not that I'm saying don't do that, um, but the, the drive is there. Sometimes if we pay attention to what's important to us, we trust our inner voice and what we know we can do and block out the outside influences that deter you from that path, um, I think that we ultimately get to where we want to be faster. So I wish I had learned that in my 20s instead of my 30s because I can only imagine where I would have been in my 30s had I paid more attention to that in my 20s. Mm. If you had to recommend one book for someone just starting their career, what would it be? There's no such thing as one book. Like, I don't like that question. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say, you know, what color is your parachute, 1995? <laughs> Circa oh, 1995. I, I know, right. I just want to burn that old book series. <laughs> it's like, if I see it now, just set it on fire. Um, so, I, because I, I, I love to read. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, you I can go say, for it. Go for it. Go for it. If you want to give more than one, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, thing is one. So I'll, I'll do three because these are the three that I typically recommend for different reasons. So the first one is Fascinate. And I'm sure there are people who have heard of that and there may be people who haven't. Um, but Fascinate um, by Sally Hog, um, Hogmeat, Hogshead, sorry. Hogshead, yeah. Um, she, that, that book was fantastic because it really helped me to um, get clearer understanding of what my um, my personality type is and you know I come from the generation where we all have to take the disc profile I hated that thing um, <laughs> and you know, everybody was a D and I and S or C and you were basically broken into four corners but with humanity being so diverse with nature being so diverse how can you stick people in four categories I mean we are all combinations of multiple things we're combinations you know of our family we're combinations of our zodiac sign we're combinations of our experience our social economic status things like that. And so um, I think it was really important from a, from a, a, a self-development perspective to really dig deep and figure out um, my personality type and how to interact with other personality types um, because I felt like it would make me a better, a stronger communicator, um, a better teacher. Um, I'm used to teaching doctors and CEOs and, and COOs um, and training them. And uh, you get some pretty strong personalities. And so um, books like Fascinate help you to, especially if you're going to go into public speaking or teaching or coaching or anything where you have to interact with different personalities, it just really helps you to, you know, hone in on who you are and who uh, or your personality type and how you and your personality should interact with others if you want a positive outcome or a full positive two-way communication. The second book I would recommend is Daring Greatly um, for everyone, absolutely, especially women. Um, but that book is really important because I think as people of color, there's shame that we bear um, based on our own individual circumstances and experience. But there's also shame that 
uh, is affiliated just with being a person of color sometimes, so sometimes we take that on and internalize, especially with all that's going on in the, in the world right now with social justice, um, with Native and African Americans and Hispanic Americans and the challenges that uh, we are all facing as people, you know, various people of color. Um, and so I think it's important to understand how, what shame looks like, because we think it looks like one thing, but it actually has many different faces, and she does a really good job of breaking down the faces of shame, and then learning how to turn it around so that you don't internalize it, and you can use that as a positive power to make a change or a difference in, in you know, your life and your community, and finding interesting ways to do that, um, which is why I love this podcast and this, this whole overall program that you have, Mike, because... It is a way, as you and I have discussed before, for you to make a positive impact and do something that is tied to social justice, is tied to making our communities, our people, this country uh, a better place for all Americans, uh, all people, um, uh, in in addition to people of color. So I think Daring Greatly is important. And then the last book is um, Body of Work, because I'm a storyteller by Pam Slim and I just I fell in love with the book I have the workbook I have highlights and underlines and notes in the the um, subsections um, a mutual friend of ours Desiree Attaway looked at it and said you are crazy like really was the book that good you know (laughs) (laughs) you know all of this stuff this is ridiculous you know like I went to Kinko's and printed the workbook so that it would be pretty you know so that I could really dig in um but I loved it. Um, I don't think that it, it necessarily um, had any new information that I hadn't heard, but I loved the way it was outlined or how it was um, in a storyteller format because I think that's important because we come from tribes. You know, we're, we're both followers of Seth Godin, but, you know, we come from tribes. We uh, exist in tribes whether we realize it or not with, within our community, and so it comes from that tribal storyteller perspective of how you shape your story um, and how you shape your work and how you shape your impact and you know on the world and so those three books I think are critical for young people no matter where you're going because they will help you get a better sense of yourself none of the rest of stuff matters I don't care what other field you're going into if you don't have a strong understanding of yourself then everything else is going to be that much harder because if you don't know you you can be blown you know any or which way the wind blows, you know what I mean? I do. You really have to have a strong sense of who you are. So if you think about the books that I've listed, they help you get a better understanding of who you are so that you can be a strong, authentic version of yourself as you walk whatever, whatever career path you choose, whether it's you know corporate, STEM, entrepreneurship, et cetera. Well, thank you for sharing those. Um, those are all... Uh, all three very powerful uh, books and, and things to understand. Sally Hogshead, uh, you know, I've taken the fascinate her fascinate uh, assessment, and um, I'm curious what what yours was. Do you it's recall at the moment? What was that? I said it's a secret. Okay, okay, we can talk about it after. That's fine. Yeah, I was uh, I was like avant garde. That was my overall. I don't remember what the two. Well, one was Prestige. I don't remember what the second one was, but the overall was avant-garde. I think Prestige was my second. You know, now you're going to make me go back to my, because I saved the PDF, so you're going to make me go look at it. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. It's not in an Excel. It's not in an Excel chart? It's not in my Excel spreadsheet. Oh, gosh. Are you listening, people? (laughs) Are you listening? (laughs) But but here's what I will say. Um, When the podcast is posted, I will actually post. I will actually in the comments post post it. Thank you. So Thank if you, you. want to know, you got to go to the Facebook page. You got to go to the podcast to see it. There you go. Way to keep them engaged. Way to, way to keep them coming back. <laughs> yeah. And then Daring Greatly, uh, you know, is another book I love so much. You know, I yeah. listened. I listened to it, the audio, yeah. and I. I had a chance. I know, right? I had a chance to. Um, you know, I saw I saw Brene Brown speak at WDS World Domination Summit a couple right. years back, and then I had a chance to actually interview her, uh, which wow. most people don't know that. But I got a chance to meet her at the Massachusetts Conference for Women, where I was hmm. working with them. And I said, "Listen, I only have one request. I need to meet Brene Brown." 
<laughs> I said, neither me for Dave Brown. And, and they were like, can't make any promises, Mike. But da da da. You know what I got to do? I got to walk her from her hotel to the speaker's lounge. Um, someone else was talking. Someone else came along and ended up hogging all the time. Darn it. But later on, after her talk, or, or during that time, I asked if I could interview her, and she said, sure. So, so we spent some time together, and I told her I loved her book. And, and I said, why didn't you, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you talk on the, <laughs> why didn't you do the audio? Why didn't you do the audio? And she was like, you know, she gets that a lot because people feel like they know her so well, from like all the TED Talks, and they were like, well, we didn't hear your voice in the audio. It was someone else. But it's so powerful, and, I, and, and you know, it is one of those things that could easily be, someone could be like, oh, you know what, this is really made for women, because the majority of her research was women. No, her but, story about the man. I'm getting uh, there. I'm getting there. Oh, I'm getting sorry, there. Sorry. I was going to say the majority of her, of, her, of her stuff was for women, but, yeah, that man stuff is real. That man yeah. stuff was so, so real. And then you, you just kind of refresh some of that, and I don't doubt that uh, part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast probably has, there's probably some, some stuff that I'm dealing with, you know, that, 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 I, don't, that I haven't verbalized. Um, even in what I say about my experience as a young professional of color and the things I deal with, uh, you know, subconsciously, or I, I like to bring out in uh, the articulation through LL Cool J, uh, when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind I hear my conscious call. So what happens when yeah, you're... I a girl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to keep the song going. <laughs> you know, but what, what happens when you're alone? You know, when, when, right. when everything else kind of fades to black and it's just yeah. you. What, what's going on? And, and, and you just brought that back up where I'm going to have to listen to that again because I think it's going to help me to articulate even further the why of this work because there's a piece of us like, I just got to keep, I got to move forward. But I think there's something there. There's something there and I definitely want people to know that whole high horse where the guy talks about, you know, they'd rather see me die on my horse than, right. you know, and that's like, that's real, man. That's real. That is real. That is so real. I have sons, and that has been, you know, uh, one of our biggest challenges. Um, I actually have a blended family, um, so um, my ex and I still have a great relationship, love his wife. You know, we're we're a a blended uh, family when it comes to raising our sons. And, um, you know, that has just been the challenge is to, you know, how do you teach them how to be men without instilling or installing those old, um, an archaic, you know, roles of manhood um, that really, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, but, you know, that really, um, you know, shape men and, and in some ways, ways um, cause challenges for them later in life. So, I mean, it was, it was truly a balancing act between he and I with, you know, what, you know, what pieces of manhood we would, you know, give them and what pieces of, of the old way men were, um, we're told to be like, you know, men don't cry and things like that, that right. we just frankly didn't teach them, you know, um, and, and instead we took a different path. So uh, yeah, her piece cool. with the men was in truly or was truly incredible um, because it was helpful for me to, to see that we were doing the right thing. We were on the right path. Awesome. It was helpful and it's, it was unexpected. I, I didn't even know that was coming. I was just driving. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Bernay. <laughs> Yeah, darn it! You know, so I laugh. I laugh. I put a, I put a picture of my hand because I had blisters from working out, like really yeah. bad blisters. And someone was like, it was someone was like, uh, uh, like uh, pop them, be a man and pop them. And I was gonna no. respond, yes, I was gonna respond, but I was like, let it go. Just I just let it go because I don't play that. You know, I don't play that because someone sold that to you. Uh, and not yeah. to mention, you're just totally dissing women. You know, be a yeah. man and pop it. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean grow up, <laughs> you know? But, well, um, it means that your feelings have no value, and your feelings are part of who you are. So part of your personhood has no value as a man if you can't be allowed to acknowledge and openly express your feelings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she, yeah. she taught us a lot. So I know there's some brothers that, uh, that listen to this podcast do yourself the favor and and uh, I, I have the, the physical book the audio book and the 
the Kindle book. So do yourself a favor. Um, I've looked at it, read it in all three, or either read or listened to it in all three formats. Pick one that works for you. If you can't, if you're the type of person that can't read a self-help book, because I trust me, I know it's hard. Um, then get the audio book because it's still very entertaining. It's in her voice um, with her inflection. And do yourself a favor, men and women, um, but definitely take a deep dive into that book and just you know get you some learning. We'll definitely have some links to that. So thank you. And then we already know our mutual love for Pam Slim and her her work with body body of work. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Whew, Mecca, thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> being here with us. It's been such a pleasure to 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 um, not just interview you, but really to have a conversation with you, which which doesn't always happen, and and that's that's important and that's special to me. Uh, where can the people you. find you? You're welcome. Where can the people find you and your work online? Uh, everywhere. So. Um, <laughs> I can be reached, of course, facebook.com forward slash Mecca M. Brown. I have a website, www.meccambrown.com. And I'm on Twitter. I think I show up as Mecca M. Brown Life Coach uh, on Twitter but uh, and Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I think that that's it. Although um, I have a 13-year-old who... And I'm on YouTube, but we're, I haven't posted anything yet. So um, there will be YouTube videos coming, and you, when those get posted, you'll know because they'll be shared on my Facebook page. But, yeah, definitely connect. I love to engage. I've written um, blogs for, you know, for Harriet and for um, other websites, you know, that uh, champion causes for people of color or for women. Uh, and I get engaged. So when people post comments, I'm right there in the comments responding. You know, I love to interact with people and, I think of different ideas. So uh, don't be afraid to stop by and say hi. Thank you so much, Mecca. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was, this was fun. You're welcome. Today's show was sponsored by Meet Edgar. Quick question for you. If you post a tweet about something you think is important and no one sees it, did it have an impact? You're spending time writing, uploading, and scheduling updates, and they usually don't even get seen by most of your followers. Meet Edgar is the only scheduler that directly addresses that and stops your updates from going to waste by automatically saving and sharing them again and again over time. Because you're spending way less time on busy work, you can dedicate more of your time to creating dope content and actually interacting with your followers. They call it social media for a reason. Visit meetedgar.com to learn more and start your free 14-day trial today. And thank you, dear listener, for being with us. Did you find today's message valuable? Love the show? Subscribe and get podcast episodes, updates, and articles sent directly to your inbox. Everything we create, everything we share is designed to empower young professionals of color just like you who are just starting out in their career. Go ahead and move forward. We got your back. Our goal is to take you from invisible to invincible. I'm your host, Mike Ambassador Bruni, and the beat you're about to hear to close out the show is by Papa Doc. Peace.